Good morning, everybody. Are we ready for this? You're going to have to help me out. <laughs> Bob is sick. And so, but good news, Billy is doing great. He start, he's starting to gain weight now after losing 30 pounds. So, prayer does work, doesn't it? So, uh, we'll open up with uh, prayer here. And uh, we welcome everybody online and everybody is here. And the, the Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord Jesus, and we want to thank you for being able to come here and worship you, Lord Jesus. And we want to thank you for this wonderful day, Lord Jesus, and the wonderful weather. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And as Jerry comes forward, she's going to do some announcements. And we'll get the announcements out of the way. And then uh, Sarah and John will be coming up. Jerry would be here too, right? <laughs> Again, good morning. Um, mark your calendars. San there will be no sandwich Sunday in March because we will have two potlucks downstairs on the 17th and the 24th. Those will be the, the 17th will be the question and answer period and then after we vote on the 24th so we will have a sign-up sheet in the in the lobby for everybody you need to be either bring a main dish or a salad to the potlucks both days so and I'm still having Sunday school downstairs at nine o'clock we've managed to figure out the technical problems that we've had so that we're back up and running again and we have Wednesday night Bible study we'll be back on again this week at six o'clock downstairs and I think that's it for now okay and so that's now it's your turn <laughs> As we enter into worship this morning, just let the Holy Spirit flow from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Let him minister to you as you minister in worship to our God and Father. You can stand, sit, however you feel comfortable. the battle you see my victory when all I see is the mountain you see the mountain move and as I walk through the shadow your love surrounds me There's nothing to fear now, now, for I am safe with you. 
So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees With my hands lifted high Oh God, the battle belongs to you Every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through the night Oh God, the battle belongs to you For Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. I see are the ashes, you see the beauty. When all I see is a cross, God, you see the empty tomb. the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, that belongs to you. Everything I lay at your you and I know as I'm getting older and you go through things and you wake up in the middle of the night and you have that gut-wrenching feeling and I've come to the conclusion when that happens and I still struggle with it but I come to the conclusion that maybe God's allowing me to wake up so I can pray to him so I can worship him so I can pray for somebody that's on our prayer list he's won every battle doesn't mean didn't say he will not give us any battles or allow us to go through battles but he fights our battles for us and he is the winner and when we're in him it makes us we are more than conquerors right and so praise the lord for that so when you wake up in the middle of the night and you have that 
just say, God, who do you need me to pray for? Do I just need to sit here and listen to what you have to say for me? Because he can speak in the quietest of the night and take that anxiety and that fear away as you worship him and rely on him. Sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings, who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder, who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You lay down your life That I would be set free Jesus, Jesus, all that you've done for me
John. Thank you, Sarah. Jerry. As the ushers get ready for offering, we're going to take offering now, and then we'll get ready for service. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord. We want to thank you for everything you've done in this church lord and what you are doing lord jesus and we you are the, you are our savior lord jesus and we want to give you the praise and the glory and the honor lord jesus and just you know the finances of the church you know everything that's going on lord jesus and i know you have a plan and we know that you will take care of it lord jesus and we want to give you all the praise for it, lord jesus and give it in your name in jesus name amen and we're going to bring up Brother Dennis Peters, and he's going to give us the word for today again, because he's going to be gone next week, but we'll have John next week, and then we'll have John for two weeks, and then we'll have Dennis again for one, For one, <laughs> and then Brandon and Veronica will be here on the 17th and the 24th, and the potluck both days, like Jerry said, and so we'll go ahead and have the ushers come forward and take the offering. While they're taking the offering, I've got to read you something that I stumbled on. And uh, I kind of stumbled on purpose. But uh, you see the bumper sticker the other day that read, Tithe if you love Jesus, any fool can honk. <laughs> and I, I just read a story about two men who were marooned on an island. One, one man paced back and forth, worried and scared, while the other man sat back and was sunning himself. 
first man said to the second man, aren't you afraid we're about to die? No, said the second man. I make $100,000 a week and tithe faithfully to my church every week. My pastor will find me. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for your faithfulness in giving. And uh, it's, uh, it's been an exciting week for me. Some of you are aware of why that is. Um, some of you are about to find out. But uh, I, um, the reason we couldn't have um, Bible study this week was my fault. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I was gone on Valentine's Day. I left here um, at 7 in the morning, and I drove eight hours to Alamo, Nevada, and um, surprised a young lady with a proposal of marriage. And uh, so uh, I, am, uh, I am officially engaged as of uh, Wednesday, and uh, excited about that. It's hard to wipe the smile off my face if you're wondering why I'm grinning so much. But uh, I, uh, <laughs> but I don't even want to know what you said. <laughs> uh, what's that? Her name is Becky, and her last name is going to be Peters. So that's all you need to know. And, uh, but. Uh, the Lord, has, the Lord has blessed. She's an Assemblies of God pastor, like I am, and uh, we are working with the district of the Assemblies to, uh, to make this all uh, go through the proper channels and, and everything. Uh, when you're an ordained minister with a denomination, there are certain steps you have to take to when you've been divorced, and, uh, and so um, we are going through that process, and we have their support, and we're grateful for that. So. I do appreciate your prayers as we go forward with this and uh, as, uh, as, as we, we work on uh, all the details of, of the rest, you'll find out as, as appropriate. Uh, I don't know many details other than the fact that I'm about to get married, and I'm happy for that. So thank you. Thank you, guys. I have to say this so I don't forget, but I appreciated the word, and I wanted to explain to you guys something. You know, we have such a structure in our services um, where we have somebody on the platform leading and guiding us through the service, from the beginning of the service until the end of the service. I, the sense I get from reading scripture is that it was not always that way. And so you read the book of Acts and the early church and then the, the different epistles that are in the, in the New Testament and you find that there was a, in, in 1 Corinthians, as they taught about the, the use of spiritual gifts within the church, they talk about where different people will bring a word. And so it wasn't, it wasn't platform focused in the early church. We're platform focused partially because we're so big. Right? When the church grows, then it's kind of, it can be chaotic if you have a bunch of people that are speaking up. And, and so it's a little bit simpler to make the service go well. And, and you guys probably wouldn't show up if the service lasted five hours or something. But, uh, um, so it was, it was common in those days. In fact, Paul encouraged them for someone to bring a word, someone to bring a song. someone And, and so the, the, the worship service was something that wasn't... Um, as planned out 
as well as we plan out our services. And so I appreciated the word that Brother John gave this morning because it, it reflects on, and he didn't know the, the name of the message this morning, but it reflects on what the gospel message is. And I'm not starting the message yet, so don't start your clock, your timers. <clears throat> but, but it just reminded me of, and what, one, one of the things that I pulled out of what he said is there's no one who can bring um, the solution like Jesus can. And that is the heart of the gospel message. What is the gospel? That's it. No one can bring a, a, a solution to your problems like Jesus can. And I appreciated the, the encouraging word from our brother this morning. And uh, so, hey, before we get into the word this morning, I want to, um, are you punching the buttons over there? You are. You can set that down for a minute. And uh, I'm glad you have two fingers that have been injured, because if it was the one, I would think you were flipping me off this morning. So, <laughs> um, But uh, if... If maybe a couple of the ladies that are around Nalani can go over there and, and lay hands on her, I'd like to pray for Nalani this morning. Um, she had uh, some kind of an accident. I'm not sure the details, but you're welcome to ask her later. But, uh, um, and her fingers have been injured, and she looks like she uh, might be a little bit like Edward Scissor's hand, scissor hands or something like that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> But uh, let's, let's pray for Nalani, shall we? Father, we're grateful for Nalani. What a blessed part of our body she is. And we're just thankful that you protected her. But at the same time, she has been injured. And so we just ask, Lord, for your healing touch to flow through her body. Grant the healing to just reach out through her fingers and the fingertips, Lord, and get, let a complete healing come to her, Lord. Lord, have mercy on her, we pray. We know that you are a God of mercy you are a God of grace. You are a God. You are our great physician. So we ask for your healing touch upon her. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, ladies. Appreciate that. Amen. Well, we're going to read from the book of Romans, the very first chapter, and we're going to go ahead and read the entire first 17 verses. Um, I'll stop at verse 15 first, and then we'll go on to 16 and 17. The main part of the message will be taught from verses 16 and 17, but in order to give us some background and uh, context, and let me just remind you that when you're reading from Scripture, um, an example I was given one time about context. Context is important. Um, you, you have the Scripture in, uh, um, <laughs> in you, if you combine Scriptures inappropriately, you can come up with all kinds of theology. So the Bible says that Judas went out and hung himself. And then there's another passage that says, go thou and do likewise. Don't combine those two, okay? 
be careful with context, because context matters when you're reading the scripture. And, uh, and so be careful not to pull out a scripture. I have actually prepared sermons where I had the entire sermon prepared except for one point, and I had to change my sermon because I realized that what I was preaching or preparing to preach wasn't what the scripture was actually saying. And so if you're not careful, you can pull out a scripture out of, the, out of some other poor, larger passage, and you can apply it into a situation where it doesn't apply. And a lot of false theologies come out of just such uh, mistakes. So I want us to go ahead and read. You can open up your Bibles, and I think the scripture will be on the screen here in a minute. Uh, um, Romans chapter 1, and uh, we're going to read from uh, verses 1 all the way through verse uh, 15 to start with. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are called of Jesus Christ, to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if, by some means, now at last, I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Uh, just a little historical um, input here. I'm having the hardest time. I, I see her hand raised over there. You'd like to share something? No, I'm just teasing her. She's got her hand raised to keep her fingers up above her heart there. <laughs> but but I, Every time I look over here, I see that hand raised. I want to go. <laughs> so anyhow, the, the story of Paul is, is interesting. He wanted to go to Rome. And the Lord had spoken to his heart, you're going to go to Rome. You're going to minister to these Christians in Rome. Um, in the early days of the Christian church, it was a Jewish church. It started in Jerusalem, and it was started among the people who were Jewish of the Jewish religion. Right? And then Paul comes on the scenes and he starts preaching the gospel all over Asia and Europe and, and, and he established, he, he is the church planter of the New Testament. This guy went everywhere planting churches. But he had a desire to go to Rome and the Lord had spoken to him that he was going to go to Rome. So th that's great. Sometimes God puts a desire in your heart and you want to go someplace or you want to do something and I just want to caution you. Sometimes you can see your trials and your troubles as being deterrents to God's direction. 
Do you know how Paul went to Rome? In chains. He went to Rome as a prisoner of Rome. He had one traumatic experience after another. As he followed the leading of his leaders, he did what they told him. It wasn't good enough. The, the local uh, Jewish uh, um, uh, religious uh, leaders got upset at him. They went to try to kill him. The Romans stepped in to save him. And then the Roman governor was going to send him off to the Jews, and he was going to be killed in way, on the way. And so he appeals to Caesar. Now, Rome appeal, um, Paul appealing to Caesar as a prisoner. And so they took him to Rome to be seen by Caesar, to have his case tried by the Caesar himself. But he had to go as a prisoner. Sometimes God will take you where he wants you, but he won't always take you there as a free man or as a free woman. God can use all kinds of different ways to get you where you need to go. So just be careful. Don't think that just going, getting where you really feel God is leading you to go is going to necessarily be an easy road. It wasn't an easy road for Paul, but it was exactly what he wanted. And he got what he wanted, and he was happy to go to Rome. And uh, there's other stories along the, on his road to Rome that are fascinating in Scripture. Read the book of Acts, and you'll see a lot of that. Uh, it, it's interesting. So anyhow, Paul is chairing to the Romans that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in verse um, 15. It says, so as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who, were, who are in Rome. He's excited about that. He's excited about going to Rome. Um, I was, I spend way too much time on Facebook. And I, to be honest, I don't read my kids' Facebooks. I just watch these stupid little reels, they call them. Little short videos on Facebook, right? And Facebook knows which ones I like because they keep giving me more of them, right? Uh, and, and I watched what, I love, I love prank videos and funny videos and everything. And so I, I watched this video the other day, um, yesterday in fact, and it was of this kid in a spelling bee. And he steps up and, he sa and they said to him, your name is, the, your word is woman. And so he, you can ask questions of the judges before you have to spell the word. And he, one of the questions he asked was, um, can you define it? And the picture goes over to the judges, and the first judge is there, and he says, hmm. <laughs> and it was just a, 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 a funny deal about, you know, the fact that, you know, with all the transgender stuff that's going on today and everything, it's, it's like, well, you, we don't know how to define a woman because now we've got all these men that call themselves women. And, and so the judge was just like, uh, he didn't know what to say. He, he wanted, you could tell he wanted to you know, define it, but he couldn't define it. And he turns to his colleague, who was a female judge, and, she, and he says, and, and she thinks about it for a second, and she says, no. <laughs> she can't define it. <laughs> and, and he says, but the rules say that you can, and, and she says, well, it, it, it's kind of, you know, everyone has their own definition. 
And, and it goes on and on and on. And, and it just made me think of, of my message this morning because uh, there, there has been a movement in America, probably for longer than you and I have been alive, I don't know, but for, for, for many years, that we call the PC movement, political correctness. And uh, for instance, especially here in California, it's politically correct to be friendly to the environment. For instance, to buy an electric car, to save energy, and to be against those, the use of oil. Um, it's politically correct to be accepting of homosexual and transgender lifestyle and, and choices. Um, it used to be in America, PC, to be a Christian. That seems so long ago that it's hard to remember. But it used to be if you were running for office, you almost had to say you were a Christian. Oh, how times have changed. Um, everyone from actors to politicians were proud to be called Christian. Um, it's still popular in America to believe in God. 90% uh, of Americans believe in God, or they say they do. But it's no longer acceptable to believe the gospel. Okay? You can believe in God, and you can believe in God's I was uh, at, the, um, at the fitness center a, a few weeks ago, and uh, a few months ago now, and um, after I was doing water aerobics, and after water aerobics, I get into the jacuzzi and, and in the hot water, and then that feels great. It solves all my problems. And I w it was before Christmas, and, and, I was, and they, they know I'm a pastor, and so one of the ladies, for some reason, she felt it important to educate me that there are 242 other religious holidays during the Christmas season. And so it's okay to say, happy holidays. And, and I didn't say anything to her. I just, whatever, you know, if, if that's, I wasn't going to have an argument about what Christmas was about. But it's like, yeah, there are 242, maybe. Maybe she was correct. Maybe she's not. I don't know. But if there are 242 other religious holidays during the Christmas season, there's only one that we as America celebrate. But it has become PC to accept that there are many. And, and that's kind of where America has gone, to where that if you say no, there's only one that matters, then all of a sudden I get kicked out of the jacuzzi. I didn't want to get kicked out of the jacuzzi that day. But. So nowadays, actors openly mock the idea that anyone could actually believe the gospel. Um, there are politicians who attack others because they are actual believers. They believe the Bible, and everyone knows the Bible is horrible, at least in these politicians' minds. Um, there are, I, I can remember reading about a school that, that tried to take a Bible away from the students, uh, from a student who, had, who carried the Bible with him. Uh, America, what's PC, has really evolved from what it was when we were young. Uh, at least those of us are old enough to be able to say we were young. Um, and uh, so some time ago I, I read an article about a meeting where religious leaders from <clears throat> most of the major religions gathered, and they talked freely and positively about the many different religions. But there was one exception. Many of the speakers spoke out against those who believe in the gospel. 
In other words, it's okay to call yourself a Christian. They didn't have a problem with Christianity. Um, it's just don't be too zealous. The gospel, if you share the gospel, it means that you're a zealous Christian. And we're going to talk about the gospel in a minute, so I realize I'm leaving that out there kind of uh, blank. But uh, it's okay to believe the Bible. Just don't believe the parts that teach that Jesus is the only way to God. Be a Christian who is tolerant and accepting of other beliefs. Accept the idea that there are many ways to God and that Christianity is just one of them. That is what is important. I can remember still seeing, I, I, can, see it, I can see it as if it's right in front of me, a very famous pastor. And if I were to say his name, many of you would know him. And he was on a um, talk show, and uh, Larry King, this was back when Larry King was was doing talk shows. If you're young, you don't know him. But uh, uh, Larry King was, and he asked him if it's true that you have to know Jesus to go to heaven, that Jesus is the only way to heaven. This pastor sat there in front of Larry King, and uh, 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 he was uncomfortable with the question because he knew what the answer was was, but he didn't want to say the answer. The Bible says that there is no other name under heaven given, am, given among men whereby we must be saved. God didn't send his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross so that you could ignore him. Think about that. Why would he send his son if any way would get you there? It's illogical to even suggest such a thing. So either our story is not true, or their story is not true. But if our story is true, it's critical, it's important. So that's what the world wants. And if we don't do this, then they will not accept it. If we do not accept the broadened description of the gospel, then they won't accept us. So let's take a look this morning at the gospel according to Paul's definition in the book of Romans. First, um, first of all, who was Paul? Paul was, Paul was a persecutor of the church. Um, before he accepted Christ, before he was confronted, really, with, with the gospel of Christ, and, and uh, he was knocked off his horse by a bright light as he was going to persecute. He actually represented the Jewish government, okay, which was a religious government, of the Jewish religious leaders. That's, they ran the Jewish government in those days. And he was, at their request, going around and imprisoning Christians. Because Christianity was a new sect, and they considered it blasphemous. And so he literally was working to have, many of them were, were killed, they were imprisoned. That was his job. He was the enforcer. He was the prosecutor, so to speak. And he was traveling around to find these believers and put them in prison. And God got a hold of him on the way and said, what are you doing, Paul? You know what? And, and, he, and Paul says, who are you? He says, I, I'm the Lord that you're persecuting. And Paul is saved, radically saved. And then Paul goes from being against the gospel, against Jesus Christ, 
and Jesus the Christ, which Jesus Christ is not Jesus' last name, by the way, in case you were wondering. Um, Jesus was um, his name, and Christ simply means he is the Messiah. Okay, so he's actually Jesus the Christ, but it's been shortened through the, through the generations. But Paul then becomes a preacher, and he starts traveling around all of these places, planting, starting churches, and, and establishing the gospel in these different towns in Asia and Europe. And as he goes, it's fascinating. Again, I refer you to the book of Acts. I, you know, sit down someday and just read the whole book of Acts. It'll be really enlightening for you. Paul goes from place to place, and everywhere he goes, it causes problems. He is stoned, left for dead. He, he, he is persecuted, attacked verbally and physically. In so many, and some of these places, people followed him from town to town just to persecute him more when he went to a different city. These people were radical against Paul. They hated the gospel message. And Paul had been through all of this where he had literally almost been killed multiple times. And that's the background for now the next passage, Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. So reading on. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. He has traveled around Europe and around uh, Asia, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. So we're going to take a look at, at the gospel. What is the gospel? What is the whole gospel? You know, I could spend the next year teaching about the gospel message. So I, I'm not going to do that this morning. I just want to give you a, a, just a short, quick blurb, and then we're going to follow this scripture through. Um, I, this last week has been... I'm working on my, my degree through William Jessup University, and I've been studying a course called Justice and Mission. And it's about how God views injustice in our world and how God views those who are suffering at the hands of people of power and how poverty and injustice and how that all intertwines with society and what we should, how we as believers should be concerned about that. And it's been, it's nothing that I didn't already know, but it's been brought to my attention so much more clearly. Uh, The gospel message is not just believe in Jesus and you'll be saved and go to heaven and then now you can go on and live your life. It's so much more than that. Jesus coming to earth was to deliver mankind from his sin. And sin causes all kinds of problems in our world. The injustices that you see happening around, whether in the political world or in, in, in that you see and you can see anywhere in society, God hates injustice, the Bible says over and over again. God is not the author of poverty. He does not enjoy seeing people struggle with their sin to the point where they turn to drugs and where they give their lives over to, to illicit sex and all kinds of just anything that they're 
bodies may crave. God is not behind that. He has come. He sent Christ to deliver us from all of that. The, the, last week I shared the, the, the pure gospel message in Romans Road. Remember that? Romans 3.23, for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. And then the, the wages of sin is death, right? So the punishment for being a sinner is death. You deserve to die. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so if we believe in him and we confess with our mouths, then we have eternal life. That's the gospel message in a nutshell, Romans Road. You all took notes on that last week, right? Thank you, Jerry. So, the good news, which is what gospel means, the good news fights for what is right. We care for the poor and the hurting. It's not just about you being saved and going to heaven. When you have Christ in your life, remember last week we talked about his seed living in us. It'll cause two things within us, a love for justice and a love for our brother. We will be committed to what is right and we will care about people. Those two things are automatics. If you believe in Christ and he places his seed within us, we are born again of Christ, then those two things are going to be important to us. And so the good news fights for what's right. It cares for the poor and the hurting. We care for those who suffer injustice. I, um, I, I told you I, I, I was a juror on a rape trial a few months ago. And, you know, it's tough when you're a juror and you have to weigh the evidence. And, and our, our, our system says that if, if, if he's not guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, you have to say he's not guilty. And it's hard because you're not sure but that's the standard. And all I could think was, oh, I hurt for this girl. I don't know what happened in the back of that car that day, but I hurt for this girl. And it was one of those difficult situations. I think the love of Christ, the gospel message says, I care. And Christ is there to help those who have been through horrible situations. And so the gospel message comes to people who are hurting, comes to them who are broken, and says, I'm here for you. That's the gospel message. And so Paul comes along and he's saying, and, and I'll read again what, what Brother John shared this morning in, in, in a word, there is no one who can bring the solution to your problems like Jesus can. That is the crux of the gospel message. There is nothing else you can turn to that will bring you the peace that you need. Philippians chapter 4, the peace that passes all human understanding. The peace that you can't generate because you feel good. It's the peace that rests upon you and you, don't, and you can't even understand why in the world you're peaceful. That's God's peace. And that comes from knowing Christ. And so the gospel message comes along. Now, the first part of what we've read this morning, it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And you, you, I, you see my word gospel is capitalized because that's the focus of this particular point. But uh, the first part is that we have been chosen. Okay? This is the beauty of the gospel message, is that the Bible teaches that Christ reached out to you and before you were worthy of being saved, he saved you. You didn't live a perfect life. You didn't 
have to apply for a job, you, know, you talk about applying for jobs, you know, you want to put your best face forward, you want, you, know, you want them to see you in the best light so you can get the job. You didn't have to do that to get saved. In fact, you had to humble yourself and recognize that you don't deserve the job. You had to humble yourself and say, you know what, Lord, I, I really don't qualify, but would you have mercy on me, a sinner? That is the gospel message. You have been chosen, John 15 Verse 16, verse 16, and then 15, verse 19. Um, you did not choose me. In fact, you know what? Somewhere I've got it written down here, but I lost it in my notes. I'm going to have to turn around and read it up here. All right. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give you. You didn't choose me. He said, he said you didn't just look around for the best religion and pick me. I had my hand on you the whole time. I chose you. That is the beauty of the gospel message. It's not you picking the best religion like that fellow I told you about a, a while back about that you know, had combined the five world religions and, and chose the best parts of each five and created his own religion. You didn't get to do that. Jesus came along, and even if you thought you were choosing him, he had already started working in your heart and your life to draw you to himself. Okay? And then verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love its own, but because you are not of the world... Um, uh, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Because of this, the world hates you. I chose you out of the world. See, the beauty of the salvation message isn't that you had enough faith to cook it up to believe in God. It's that he had enough passion and care for you to pull you out of the world and say, I'm going to help you out. I, I drove Wednesday to Alamo, Nevada. It's an eight-hour drive, guys. Over the hill, it was beautiful weather, thank the Lord, except that it started snowing early that day. But it was clear all the way. I didn't have to use my windshield wipers except for the crazy cars in front of me that were spitting out some water off the roads, you know. I, and I get, you, you, I can't remember why I started that story. Okay, scat, scratch that, guys, we'll move on. Uh, I remember playing basketball in fifth grade, and I've always been tall, but I've always been a klutz until I got to college, and then, and then everything kind of came together for me um, in my last year of high school. But at fifth grade, I was tall, but I was worthless. And there were 11 players, and they could only pick 10. Guess who didn't get chosen? The tallest guy out there, that's who. Yeah. <laughs> Because I was no good. We, we go through life and, and it's painful to not get chosen. The beauty of the gospel is God came along and said, I want you on my team. That's the gospel message. And the second part of, being, of, of the, the gospel is that we have been set apart. We've been set apart both from something and to something. We've been set apart from the world and from our sin. I really made a mistake when I printed out my notes. I do not have this scripture up there either, but let's get the next scripture here. So I'm going to have to read it from here. Verse John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We talked about this a little bit in, uh, 
in the Bible study on Wednesday night uh, a couple weeks ago. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of, the, of God lives, lives forever. He says that he has pulled us out of the world. The things that the world values are things that he has said, leave that stuff alone. The pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the desires that rage within you. You know, you know just be, by the way, just, just because you were born with a desire for, for certain things doesn't mean you're supposed to facilitate those desires. If that were the case, then everybody who just blows up and gets angry all the time, we should look at that as good because that's their natural state. It should be okay for them just to explode every time they feel like exploding because they were born that way. Guess what? I was born that way. God delivered me at the age of 17 from a ferocious temper. You know what? It's not good. Following your fleshly desires is not good. The Bible teaches us how to live, but he had to separate us from the world and separate us from our sin. He said, I'll die for you so that you don't have to be a literally a prisoner of our sin. You know, that, that's the thing, is that we, we have a hard time breaking free of those things that control us. Don't you? I do. The things that my flesh desires, oh man, you've got to fight that every single day. And the Holy Spirit is in us so that we can fight those desires. The, the Lord says, I'm separating you apart from the world. I'm separating you apart from the thinking that all these things are okay. The thinking that you can do and live any way you want to live. Um, because that actually is a prison that you live in. And then you don't control yourself and then you do wind up in prison. Because you allow, you know, so many people allow their anger to get the... I've often, I, I used to say that if I wasn't saved I'd be in prison. For sure. Because I'd have killed somebody. I would have. I'd have killed somebody. I had a ferocious temper and I was a big boy. Well, I could have, and I'm almost certain I would have, because your temper gets a hold of you, and next thing you know, you, well, you know, I, I loved the Lord, and I still battled with the temper, but I recognized that that was not something that God approved of, and so I, the Lord helped to deliver me from that. But we've been, second part is, we've been a set apart to serve. So, Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 says, Jesus chose to make himself a servant made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So Jesus was our example. And you know what? It's so nice being served by someone else. You just sit back and do nothing while they work hard and do all your work for you. They, you know, I lived in Japan for 20 years, and the beautiful thing about living in Japan when you're a man is you don't have to go up and get your own cup of tea. I've seen, I, I had dinner with a dentist and his wife one time, and it was hilarious. It was absolutely hilarious. We were sitting around this round, or I, I think it was round table. His wife is sitting next to him, and he would just grunt <clears throat> and point. And she would put it on his plate. He would grunt and point. And she'd reach over, she had to reach further than he did, and she put it on his plate for him. 
Oh, that's wonderful. I love being a man in Japan. <laughs> it's fun being served, right? You know, and just, you know, you go to these restaurants and, and you know, you, you, it, 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 you almost feel indignant when you go to a restaurant and you have to actually get up to get your own water, right? Because the waitress is too slow. And then you're like, oh, you're getting a bad tip today, you know. It's like, yeah, it's, you expect to be served. And, and, but you know what the beauty of, of the gospel is? He pulls us apart from that way of thinking and says, you want to be great in the kingdom? You need to serve others. Romans eight twenty nine says, uh, he teaches us that we're supposed to be more and more like Jesus, right? For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And then, uh, you know, in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, uh, and, and I think on Judgment Day, many of us men are going to be disappointed to find out that our, our wives are, are receive greater honor than we do. It's so often the women who serve the men, even in American culture, right? And yet Jesus says that the greatest in the kingdom will actually be the one who serves others. Verse 26, yet it shall, um, it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. We've been saved from the world in order to serve. And we all serve in different ways, and I understand that, and culture uh, may dictate sometimes the way men and women act, but the fact of the matter is I, I had a dear friend, pastor friend in Japan, and, you know, the, the roles are very, very strictly defined in Japan between men and women. But he had a servant's heart. And he was always there helping his wife with things. And, and I watched him. I was just new in Japan. And, and it, it was funny because this is what happened. When, when I first got there, I sit in, on, we're, we're both sitting on opposite ends of a table, opposite sides of a table, right, facing each other. And it's a low table, but the chairs are low, too, because it's Japan. And, and, and so we're sitting there, and his wife comes beside, and kneels down beside him. And, and, and he says, hey, we, you know, we need some tea. And so she goes to get the tea. And she gets up without questioning and comes back with the tea. He says, we need crackers. She gets up immediately, goes and gets the crackers and brings them back and puts them on the table and kneels right back down beside him. And, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm thinking, man, I'm liking this Japan, man. This is good. I like this. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then it, what's fascinating about the Japanese culture is that it ain't always so. It ain't always what it looks like. She had her role to fulfill, and she, she did it to a T, because to not do that would be to shame herself. But when we were in their home together, and I, and I stayed with them four days out of the week um, for about a year as I was helping with the church. And I'll never forget, he was constantly helping her in the kitchen. He was constantly serving her. If she needed something, he would get up and get it for her. He was, she was his equal. But in public, there had, to, there had to be certain roles that she herself was defined by. But they were both servants so whatever your role in your home is, you can all be servants. Because one day, you want to be great in the kingdom? Be a servant.
So we are saved in order to serve. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Emphasis on ashamed. Another way to say this is that I am not ashamed of the gospel for which I have been chosen and set apart. God chose you. He pulled you out of the world. And so this is what you're not ashamed of being a, a, a believer of Christ. It's because we have been set apart that sometimes some Christians act ashamed. We don't want to offend anyone. We don't want to tell them something that we think they don't want to hear. I'm that kind of a person. I'd hate to tell people news that they, they don't want to hear. I'll never forget we had a special meeting in our church in Toyama, the first church that I planted in Japan. And uh, there was the husband of one of the wives that had been attending the church was there, and he was a doctor. And I was standing there talking to him, and there was one of our young believers, a young lady who was a fantastic pianist, uh, and, and she, she was there. There was the three of us talking, just standing, and, and the doctor looks at her and says, are you a Christian too? He was not... He didn't have any um, ulterior motive for asking the question. He was just curious. Was she a believer too? He, this was new to him. He'd never even stepped in, into a church. This was his first time to be in a church. So he asked her, are you a Christian too? And she, this was her reaction. Uh, 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 yes. She was embarrassed to have to answer Yes about the very person who had given his life for her to be saved. Now, I understand where she was coming from. She was a very timid soul. So she might have acted shy even in the best of circumstances. But now she was being challenged in something that she wasn't ready to say, yes, I'm a believer. And sometimes as Christians, we can be that way. Um, I have been screamed at. I was in Dallas, Texas one, when I was in Bible school. We went downtown Dallas to do street witnessing. And uh, street witnessing isn't really my thing, but boy, I did something to make some guy mad. He was drunk, and, and boy, he, I thought he was going to punch me before it was all over. You know, he just, just you, you Christian, get out of here. You're always messing up our lives and you know, stuff like that. It was just, he was wild, man. But it's not, you know, I, I, I was on an airplane flying back from Japan one time, and I talked to this young guy, and, and uh, he found out that uh, I was a Christian missionary, and he says, this is what he says, Christians are fools to believe the gospel. Had a special meeting in, up in the mountains in a tiny little vi village up in Toyama where we were planning the church, and they had never before in this little town had a Christian meeting. Not a, not, not, not a church, I mean, not even a Christian meeting. And uh, one man came up to us after the meeting and just started screaming at us. Are you ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because this world will give you plenty of reasons to be ashamed. They're not going to like your message because your message is one of exclusive truth. And they don't like that. It would be easy at times to just say that I'm ashamed of the gospel. Paul himself, as I shared with you, had been persecuted. He had received many attacks because of the gospel message. Why is it that he wasn't ashamed? Because it is the power of God 
for salvation. There's a reason not to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the way to be saved for everyone who believes. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel because it's the only road to salvation. Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. Just like Noah, we must obey alone if we have to. I've thought about Noah a few times. How could he not have felt a little bit like a fool? He's building a big boat out in the middle of nowhere, right? Well, the reason he could not be ashamed is because he was certain of the message. God didn't send one of his sons to save us. The Bible clearly says that Jesus is his only son. Hare Krishna is not. Shakasama, the Buddhist, the main everybody thinks of as Buddha, he was not. Muhammad was not. The question isn't whether or not there are some good in different religions. Keep in mind that. It is whether or not the many religions of the world will lead you to salvation. If all they are is a group of good teachings about how to live a good life, then what good are they to bring you to eternal life? They're not. If they claim to lead you to God, but they don't, then they're not good. You understand that? If they say, I'll lead you to God, but they don't lead you to God, they're a scammer. And you get calls from those people all the time. I ordered some stuff off of Facebook a while back, and I'm still scared to death. What happens when the month is up? I looked carefully to make sure there was no commitment to a monthly expense. I know how these guys work. And I know I'm going to get a bill, and I'm going to have to call my, my Visa card company and tell them this is fraudulent. And then I'm going to have to call. I can't even find the company's number. They've been so poorly at, poor at communication, which, tell, which scares me to death. So that's what these religions are. Even if they mean well, it doesn't mean that they lead you to God. There are a lot of people who mean well with a lot of things, but they don't speak truth. Meaning well isn't good enough. And because... I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to salvation. It is the power of God. We don't just follow a good teaching. We don't just teach with wise words. Our Lord didn't just say he was the life. He actually proved it when he rose from the dead. You understand that's the crux of your faith? If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, he's no different from any other religious leader. But he raised from the dead with Proof of hundreds seeing him. And we can go there for another message. Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. I actually have this in my notes, thank goodness. He proved who he was by his resurrection. Paul, I, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures, Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, 
according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. In another passage, Paul says that if, if Christ is not raised, then we're worse off than everyone else because we're suffering for this man who isn't really the Son of God. But he's different from every other religious leader, Jesus is. They have monuments by their graves, but not Christ. We serve a risen Savior. It is the power of God to salvation. Keep in mind, this is not... I think sometimes those of us who are the Star Wars generation, we see good and evil, God and the devil, as these two competing powers. No, no, no. There's God, and then there's everything else. You understand that? There is no competing evil. God allows evil because he gives people a free will. And he doesn't stop every evil thing that happens in your life because we would all have to be stopped and we'd never be allowed to do anything that was imperfect. He gives us the free will to do things and sometimes that negatively impacts other people's lives. Sometimes someone will do something horrible and you will be the victim of that. God allows it but he still uses those things to work in your life, to turn your life around and to make good things out of your life because he's constantly working the lives and hearts of those who serve him. So the same power that raised Christ from the dead, it is the all-powerful God that we serve. It is not the competing light versus darkness. It is the all-powerful God that we serve. I cannot explain to you why he doesn't intervene in every little instance in your life. I can give you some suggestions, but I do know that if he wants to, he can. Because one day, the Bible teaches that he will close this whole earth off and create a new one. He's that powerful, folks. He created your body. He knows how it works intricately so much better than your doctor who is only practicing medicine. God is all-powerful. We serve a risen Savior. No one else can raise from the dead and then ascend into heaven. There are a few Hindu, uh, quote-unquote, gods who claim to have been risen from the dead, but they eventually died again, right? So, I mean, you hear stories about somebody who died and they were on the table for, for three minutes or whatever, and then they came back. You know, I love those movies where, where they've got the bodies covered up who are dead, and then one of them sits up in the morgue. I love that. I just love that particular scene in a movie. But Jesus did that, and then he stayed raised from the dead. And we're not talking about a few minutes later. We're talking about the third day. Through that same power, we can be victorious over every trial. That's the gospel. Through that same power, we can be victorious over every temptation that we face. That's the gospel. Through that same power, we can be victorious over every difficult situation, or should I say through every difficult situation. We have that because the power of the gospel dwells within us. It gives us the extra strength that we need to face our own sinful nature as well as the world around us that's constantly throwing temptations at us, constantly drawing us in. And the power of the gospel says you don't have to be a slave to sin. We must not be ashamed 
Because we have the gospel, which is the power of God to everyone who believes. This is not something to be ashamed of, even if everybody you know hates it. Even if everybody you know makes fun of you because of it. You know, I don't care what your politics are. If you like Mike Pence or don't like Mike Pence, some of you used to and some of you don't now. I I don't care about that. But the one thing I loved about Mike Pence was... He refused to be in a room with another woman that wasn't his wife unless there was a third person there. He was very, very conscientious because in politics, you know, that becomes a real problem. And so he wouldn't do that. And you know what they did? They mocked him for it. Right? They mocked him for it. You stand for Christ, there are going to be people who will mock you because you stood for what is right. Now the Bible doesn't say you can't be in the same room with another woman, but he was being careful because he wanted to honor his wife, right? My hat tipped to him. I made the mistake when I was a young minister. We had our church office was in our upstairs, one of our three bedrooms. We had the church and I was in there with a a young lady and, and because it's winter time and we only heat the rooms, we don't heat the halls. And so the door is shut, and my wife says, Dennis, you can't do that. And I was like, oh, I hadn't even thought of it. You're right, I can't do that. And so we were never there again. You know, that, there are times when you're going to take a stand, and the world is going to look at you and say, oh, that's stupid. The world doesn't get the gospel message. The gospel is going to help you even when the world says you're being stupid. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. It is God's plan to save everyone in your life. And he has commissioned us to tell them. This is not an evangelistic message. It's not a challenge to you to to go out there and tell everybody in your world about Jesus. But I'm telling you, the gospel is not something that you need to be ashamed of. You don't all have to become evangelists. You don't all have to tell everybody. But this gospel message for which you answer when someone asks you why do you believe what you believe, it's worth telling them. When God gives you an opportunity to share with somebody, and you don't have to be perfect, by the way, to share the gospel. You don't have to be. You do need to be humble. You know, people don't expect you to be perfect, but don't be proud if you're not perfect because you're going to look really stupid one of these days. Be humble. Admit your imperfections. And then share with them the love of Christ. The gospel will deliver them from their sin. The gospel will deliver them from the worldly temptations around them. They don't have to be prisoners to their own bodies. They don't have to be prisoners to their own fears. They don't have to be prisoners to the thinking of those around them. They don't have to be prisoners to the sin that rages within their own souls. God will deliver them. God has the power to deliver them. The gospel is that. There is no one who can bring the solution like Jesus can. That's the gospel, folks. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation of all who believe. Thank you, Jesus. We are so grateful this morning. For your gospel, Lord, you have saved us 
from ourselves, from our own sinful nature. You have saved us from the world. You have, you have saved us in order to lead us into all that is right. You have delivered us, Lord. You give us the power to fight through our struggles. You give us the power, Lord, to, to stand for what is right. You give us the power to love others, Lord. You give us the power and the strength to overcome evil in our own lives. So we are not ashamed of the beautiful gospel message of your salvation, of your love for mankind, because you showed your love through the death on the cross. We thank you, dear Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. And uh, I actually gave you a few extra minutes today so you can uh, enjoy. Uh, you can wander around the church for the next 15 minutes, if you'd like, before Lionel shuts the lights off. But uh, I did want to encourage you that... Uh, this Wednesday, I will be back for Bible study. Last Wednesday, I, as I said, I had a little bit of preoccupation going on. And uh, thank you for your uh, involvement. You're welcome to be there. Again, for those of you who don't know, Wednesday night Bible study, we have a good time talking through the issues. Um, and uh, we're going through the books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And so I look forward to seeing you there if you can make it. And uh, we will have us a good time. God bless you guys. Lionel, anything else you need to you need to dance or anything up here? Yeah, not something you'd want to see. Everybody, stand with me. God bless you as you go. I had to get you standing up because you'd just stay seated if I didn't. <laughs>